This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 Minutes or Less. Today's show comes from November the 1st, back in 2011. First up, Bob Trudnack from Barbecue Guru. At this particular time, the PartyQ self-contained bit controller was announced. Still a great tool today, just like it was back then. Let's get to know that a bit. Second segment today, Dave Bosca, Butcher's Barbecue and the ever-famous cab rant. Let's get to it. Here's Greg and Bob from November the 1st, 2011. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the uh, major announcement. For the people that are on the mailing list, this showed up in my inbox yesterday, so I wanted to have you on, Bob, to talk about it and kind of uh, announce it to the Centralites. There's a new product that Barbecue Guru is rolling out. Why don't you tell us about it? Okay. Well, we're very excited to announce our brand new control uh, called the Party Queue. And the Party Queue is the first and only battery operated, self contained barbecue temperature control. It's a, um, it's our, it's, it kind of takes over where the pit minder left off and where the nano queue was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pit probe. Uh, you set your cooking temperature, got a nice, big, bright display. Um, it's got a 5 CFM fan built into it, and it's meant for small and medium backyard cookers, any ceramic cookers, Weber's, um, all the kettle grills, the bullet-type smokers. You're not going to put this on your big offset because um, it's got a 5 CFM fan built in, but it's very easy to use. I mean, super simple. Um, and, and the fact that it's got batteries, you just plug and play. All right. So, so there's no, you know, having to worry about power. When you are concept or, or I guess, you know, you're, you're constantly getting feedback from all of the, the guru lovers, uh, pro- probably the people that have been, uh, maybe a little less impressed with the product after they bought it. So you're constantly getting feedback. You're evaluating the marketplace. At what point did you realize that, this is something that needed to uh, get on the barbecue guru supply shelves and be made available to the masses. Well, early on we had the, the pit miner, which was basically the same thing. Um, it was analog, uh, but it was a control and it was a fan. We had a four CFM fan on that control and it was, they were built together and you put it in through an adapter into your cooker and it had a little dial on it, and, it, and you can set it in 15, it was 15 degree increments, and people loved it for its simplicity, and we did away with it because it was kind of hard to find those analog parts, and they were getting very expensive. People just didn't do analog stuff anymore, so we had to go digital, um, and I hated to see that go away because we get such great reviews on it. People loved it, but... It just wasn't cost-effective anymore. And when we went to the Nano-Q, um, there was no display in the Nano-Q to keep the, the cost down, mm-hmm. to give something to people that was, you know, at a, 
a, a very good price, very moderate price. And, you know, I just knew we, we knew there was something missing, and we, we knew people needed to see a display. They needed to see a number, right. something to guide them. And that's what we did with the, with the party kit, is we're giving them the simplicity of the pit minder with the nice new bright red or uh, bright display, LCD display. And we're very happy about it. And the fact that it's battery operated is just awesome. And we're getting great feedback. Yeah, and it's like a, a truly self-contained unit, which makes it even better. Yeah. Bob Trudnack exactly. joining us here on the show, bbqguru.com. We're talking about their newest automatic pit temperature control device, the Party Q. So this is going to be in replacement of the Nano Q then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll phase the Nano Q out. Um, there's still a lot of people who love the Nano Q, and, and we're still putting them out there, but uh, we will eventually fade it out. And um, we are selling the Party Q like hotcakes right now. Bob, any idea how long the batteries are going to get or what kind of a lifetime you're getting on the batteries? Obviously, I know a lot is dependent on use, but do you have any type of gauge on that? Yeah, it's going to vary for everybody depending on usage and depending on you know how long the fan runs. But we're getting uh, 25 to 30 hours at the fan running at 40% constantly. So if the fan runs 40% of the time, it's, it's on for that cook you're going to get about 25 to 30 hours. When you're at temperature, uh, the fan may not run 40% of the time. So uh, I'm going to say at the very least, you get 25 hours of cooking time on a set on four AA batteries. And what kind of uh, protection are you looking at? You know, if, if you catch a rainstorm overnight, are they uh, durable? Or are you going to need to get these covered up? Or what's that like? Yeah, you should probably cover it like you do our other controls. Um, again, the fan portion of it and, and the probe wire can take rain, but, you know, throw a little Ziploc over it if you're going to get a good rain or, or bring your cooker under a roof or something like that. You know, they are, they're, they're very durable, but they are electronics and, and you want to protect them. And again, self-contained unit, you're getting the display, you're getting the five CFM fan you're getting, and it's running on batteries. So it doesn't get more uh, mobile and transportable than that. Um, for the people that don't understand how automatic temperature control works, Bob, I mean, just in general, let's say I get this and I'm putting it on, uh, you're setting a temperature. I understand that. Uh, but if you could break it down a little bit more intricately for us on how it works and, you know, what if I take the top off of it? Is it going to, you know, obviously the heat's going to rise out of it. Is it just going to kick on and run like a, a mother or does it have some type of software built <laughs> into that to, to not do that? Yeah. Yeah. It'll have, um, the uh, built-in open lid detect, but you know, in general, look, you're cooking on charcoal, and you have to worry about allowing the right amount of air into your cooker and, and exhausting the right amount of air. So you're setting an intake damper, you're setting an exhaust damper. Well, as the cook, um, as you go through the cook, you have to worry about weather conditions. You have to worry about you know, just temperatures in general, and you want to keep an eye on are you keeping and maintaining an even temperature. And things can change throughout the night. If you're doing an overnight cook or, you know, you have a busy day and you're doing an eight-hour cook or 14-hour cook, things change, and you want to keep on top of it. What our controls do is allow you to get other things done or get some sleep, and this maintains the airflow to the cooker 
to give you an even temperature throughout the cook. So in general, you know, it's power draft. We're keeping even temperatures for you so you can do other things. And the party queue is in the simplest form of that control. It's very easy to use. It's great for the beginner. It's great for the guy who goes out and buys his first charcoal grill or you have a smaller grill such as a, a kettle or a Smoky Mountain and you're looking at, you know, kind of break into the uh, the barbecue world, the charcoal cooking world, and you want a temperature control. I was going to say, and given the size of the fan, and look, uh, you look at me, if you know me for two minutes, you realize I'm not the sharpest knife in the box, so easy for me is means anybody else can use it. Uh, so this seems like it fits, A, that for me, but more importantly, the barbecue guru, because you guys want to sell a lot of stuff, is the fact that you're probably covering the majority of uh, backdoor warriors like my, or uh, backyard warriors like myself. You know, we don't have huge pits, so we don't have jambo pits or the huge stump smokers or anything like that. I have a couple 18, and, or I'm sorry, a couple of uh, 18 and a half inch Weber Smoky Mountains. Uh, I have a Bubba keg, so th- this will fit all of those. Exactly. Exactly. You can put this on your bubble keg with the um, with the uh, ceramic style adapter, and you're going to put these on your uh, Weber Smoky Mountains by just pushing the nozzle into one of the bottom damper holes and screwing the sheet metal nut down. Um, no tools required, and you're cooking. Yeah, doesn't get simpler than that. Uh, BarbecueGuru.com. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. I don't mind telling you, I absolutely love my party queue. I've had it for years. It's always in my bag. It always works. It never needs updating. It is like barbecue insurance on a bad day when you got to deliver those ribs on time. You want another hunk of insurance? Check out the Barbecue Central Show on social media. It is at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter, slash BBQ Central Show over on the Facebook. Second segment today, let's get ready for the most famous rant of all time in Barbecue Central Show history. Well, that's arguable, but it's a pretty good one. Here is Greg and Dave Bosca talking some meat. You know, we, we heard over the last year, two years, there seemed to be a lot of talk about what's happening in, you know, butchering, what's happening in meat processing. And there seemed to have been at least initially a run afoot where uh, artisan ranchers were kind of sprouting up and you were going to be able to get this beef that was not uh, full of steroids and you were they were feeding it one way and finishing it another to give it this taste and all this other stuff. Are you finding that that is still a trend that is picking up with popularity? Um, was it something that was overstated as far as what was happening, you know, in, in mass sense? What do you know? Uh, no, I don't think it was overstated. Do I find it growing? Maybe very small uh, in my world. Um, I don't, I think branding of the, of the meat is what's growing um, to where the big box stores, the grocery stores, they're all trying to put their own brand of meat out. Not necessarily the like the Safeways or the those type, but they're going with a branded beef to where you have to come back to their store to find Lars Lean Beef or the um, like the Wagyu or the Strubes or the you know what I'm saying with that. They're they're, yep. they're finding 
that, and that's what they're trying. Ranchers Reserve, that sponsors some of the KCBS right. cookoffs. That type thing is is what's growing in popularity, which is no different than the grocery shelves, the dry shelves, where people go to a grocery shelf because they like the the private label, the the best choice, or the Del Monte or the Libby. Well, they've carried that over to the grocery or the meat meat case now. Um, there's a lot of things that's always changing in the meat world, and you have to be able to stay up with it. And something that's going to be different that you're going to need to find come the first of the year is on 52 of the main cuts of meat, not beef, meat, there's going to have to be nutrition information, I'm sorry, ingredient statements in your meat case. They're going to have to have an ingredient statement of the main cuts of beef, pork, lamb and veal, and chicken. The grocers. I mean, we're talking, there's supposed to be fresh meat. Now, why are we yeah. having to put a ingredient statement on it? It should be like one thing that says beef or pork or exactly. chicken, right? Exactly. <laughs> but but it's, it's there. I got I got my information from the American Meat Association um, last week, and nutrition facts are supposed to be on it, dude. It's, it's going to be in, in, interesting to see how this all plays out, but it's happening. You know, well, you, it's kind of scary, but it, it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look back, what, 40, 50 years, and depending on what region of the country you were in, you know, you were eating a lot of kind of what was locally grown around you within a, you know, a certain radius. And then some somewhere along the line that has changed and you had all this mass production and uh, of, you know, beef and, you know, all this other stuff to a point where you said now we're going to have to have an ingredients list for what we think the main ingredient should only have one ingredient and obviously that's not going to be the case as we're going to be seeing here come the first of the year. Do you think there's ever going to be a point, Dave, where we're going to get back to you know eating what's grown locally, uh, what's indigenous to your particular area or region, or at, uh, at least maybe somewhere in between where you're not going to have all this mass-produced crap to choose from, uh, which probably can't be all that healthy for everybody, too? I don't know about getting back to eating like that. Uh, mass media, internet, um, we communicate so much better than ever. Uh, I think that goes into play with uh, the way the small towns used to be back in the 30s and the 40s. Um, and then it grew to the 50s and 60s where you got to get around a little more. And, and now in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and now this year, I, I just think, the mobility of knowledge has grown so quick and can get around so fast. Someone in um, Wisconsin can have the world's largest pumpkin and it can, they can grow in, in 10 days. That knowledge is going to be known around the world by that evening. Um, So I think as new things come up in meat, in beef, in green beans, everybody, the people with the money, will want it where they live at, and they're going to pay for it to get it there. Uh, and I think that's what's what's happened. Um, will it make it better? Is it better for you? Man, I, I, <laughs> what's not better for you? Uh, one man's sugar is another man's salt. Uh, salt's good for someone. Sugar's better for someone, too. Uh, so so as, as far as being better for you, man, I, that's a, I don't know about being better for you. What I have found in the custom slaughtering business that's grown is the natural. People are selling more and more of the natural beef to 
I don't want to sound wrong, city people that don't have farms, that have read a lot, believe what the doctors are telling them, get away from the growth hormones and all that, that has grown, absolutely. I'm getting more and more of that every month through my shop. Dave Bosca joining us here on the show. Dave, quick question. Um, when you're competing in, in the that uh, beef that you buy for briskets, is that Wagyu-style beef, or you use something different? Nope, I have never cooked a Wagyu brisket. I have seen a Wagyu brisket six times now. That's all I've ever seen them live. Um, I, don't, I don't buy into that world. Um, not saying I haven't had my butt beat by them several times, but I feel that I can cook a great... USDA choice or prime brisket and I can cook it to the best that that meat is. I can turn it in, present it, and I can get the flavors I need right there. I don't feel that I need to step up and cook a Wagyu. Um, I think that cooking a Wagyu, if you can cook a great brisket out of the other briskets available, that's wonderful. I think you can step up your game. But if you can't cook a normal brisket, great. Stepping up to that, all you're going to do is cook a real fine brisket, mediocre. I don't think that's going. To, that's not a. That's not a guaranteed win. And that's where people have perceived that I've got to buy a wagyu brisket. That's going to get me into the top five. The brisket won't get you into the top five. You still got to cook it. You know, one of the things that I found interesting was, you know, yourself, you had uh, Mike Wozniak from QOW, you had Rod Gray from Pellet Envy. At least those two, you're still holding true to what you were saying in in the past, but those two were always very staunch advocates of just taking, you know, what's in the Sam's case or nothing better than cab and didn't really understand what this move Uh, of foot for uh, for uh, Wagyu was. uh, Yes. Don't get get me started on the CAB program. That is (laughs) one of the biggest jokes put out there. Um, don't get me started there. That is absolutely nothing but a marketing ploy. Sorry. Um, certified Angus beef. Okay. Angus beef by the USDA standards is 60% of that. I'm sorry. 51% of that skin has to be black. They then say that there's enough Angus bloodline that they can still call that Angus. There are several breeds of beef out there that are not Angus that can fall under the CAB program. Black Baldies, um, Belted Galloways, there is Holstein beef that's a lot of black in them. There's, there's, there's some black Santa Gertrudis. There's a lot of beef that are not Angus, but according to the USDA, there's enough black on their skin that they can still say, oh, somewhere in the, in the history of that animal, there was Angus. They can call it Angus. That doesn't mean that it was a certified Angus beef. That means the packing plant said it had enough black on the skin. So I think if you're going to buy into a program, buy into a certified Angus farm program, buy into a uh, grading system program. Excel has a grading program called a Sterling Silver. And what that is, is they, they grade, they pull out the top uh, 10% of their choice briskets and say that's the highest marbled choice we have. They, they, they sell it that way. Um, Creekstone Briskets um, is the brand that I use. They're out of right here at Wichita, Kansas. 
Um, their farms are certified Angus farms. That's all they kill is from their own farms. But I don't buy into certified Angus beef programs. That's There's too many loopholes, and it's being used, and I know the producers that are doing them. So I don't buy into that. Sorry, I'm off my soapbox. No, not at all. I mean, would it be <laughs> – so it would only be true then – Pardon me. If if there was if it was just one hundred percent certified, I mean, is there an Angus cattle out there? Like one hundred percent Angus? Absolutely. Oh. There's there, and believe it or not, there's red Angus, there's black Angus, um, but the one that everybody pushes is the black Angus. It's certified Angus beef. So does that mean it's red Angus or or, or black Angus? Um, they they predominantly go with black, but that's not. That's not the way it's it's wrote out, so it's hard to, hard to actually say. And that's Dave's thoughts on CAB. And he has a lot of other thoughts that are in this show as well. And if you head over to the bbqcentralshow.com, there will be a link in today's show notes to take you to the complete episode. Make sure you check that out. While you're there, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show via podcast. Never miss an episode of this show or the really big Barbecue Central Show again. Until next time, on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.